The Tennis Can Win Podcast and the Sports Can Podcast now are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get an extra $100 at sportscampodcast.com slash winbet the sportscampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the College Basketball Experience. March Madness is heating up and you need to subscribe to the College Basketball Experience for all of your March Madness coverage. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here in the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently very, very early Friday morning on March 3rd. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. And it is time to go through the Friday matches here in the three ATP tournaments. I can't believe it actually happened, but we finally have lines on all three tournaments at the same time. So we can do one episode. We don't have to break it up, but luckily for us, the matches in Dubai are starting at 8 a.m. Eastern time as we get further into the tournament, as opposed to the 4 a.m. usual start time or 5 a.m. usual start time. So we can actually have a pretty jam-packed episode since we do have two semifinal matchups to preview in Dubai. We got two to go through in Acapulco, and we have four matches to go through in Santiago because it is time for the quarters in that event. But to go through the actual uh, recap from the last episode, we had a great episode. We are alive in every tournament and for the outrights, and we are also coming off of a sweep as we ended up winning the lock and the dog. We ended up having two matches in Santiago, and we won both. We had Lahovich minus the spread. We had him minus the games against Ugo, and he dominated, won that match comfortably. And then we also ended up having the over two and a half sets between Ramos, Vinolas, and Montero at plus 130, and that got there. The exact match that I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a war, and it was, and it was a very, very entertaining match, but Montero ended up winning that one in three. So a nice sweep for us, and we'll hopefully keep it rolling, but I do want to recap some of those outrights that we still have draws in. Starting off with Dubai, uh, we lost the quarter outrights with Bublik and with uh, Koganakis. Took some flyers there, hoping Medvedev would be fatigued, but instead Medvedev looked incredible. And in fact, he did something that I've never seen before. He ended up winning the final 21 points in his last match against Chorich, which is something that I never thought I would actually see, especially against a player of Chorich's caliber who's been ranked and won an ATP title last year. But he won 21 straight points. So Medvedev is in phenomenal form. Fatigue has not been an issue for him. That was a bad read by me. But we have Djokovic to win the tournament, and he's still alive. Wasn't easy in the first round against Makic, but he's dominated ever since, as he ended up beating Greeksborn in straight sets and beat Herkaz in straight sets. So Djokovic is still our pick. Nothing has changed there. That's the only future outright that we have. But to look at the other tournaments in Santiago, Chile, we have three outrights that we gave out, and all three of them are still al- are still alive. However, two of them will be playing against each other on Friday. We have starting off with Baez at six to one, and that has looked great. Baez beat Green in straight sets yesterday, looked very comfortable, and I think right now he is the guy to beat. So it feels good having him in my pocket. And then we also gave out Green as the second favorite at around six to one. He looked pretty underwhelming against Schwartzman, and I lost a pretty substantial personal play on that, to be honest with you. I had Jari in straight sets of plus 110, and 
Jari was an unforced error machine, won the match anyway, but he absolutely killed me with the unforced errors and the failure to convert breakpoints. So Jari, even though I haven't to win the tournament, he's kind of in my doghouse because I am shocked Schwartzman won a set off of him. But either way, Jari ended up making it through, and now he faces off against our long shot pick in Hoffman, who had a nice straight set win against Baina in his last match. He didn't play yesterday, though, so he does have... A pretty interesting spot here where he's against the home country guy, but he has looked good in this event. He went through qualifying, still has not dropped a set, and his game has translated well to the clay in Santiago. Truth is, I think it's actually pretty horrible quality clay from what I've watched in this event. I'm really not impressed by how the clay is kept, and I think some of the other tournaments did a better job at making the clay more... I don't want to use the word functional, but more, I don't need to say effective either. I'm going to say functional. It's the word I'm going to go with because I can't think of a better word. But I'm, I've really not been impressed by some of the bounces that the balls have taken. And it seems like there's a lot of really weird things going on on the clay in Santiago. I think they need to keep up the courts better. But this is the second meeting uh, between those two. Uh, first one was on clay in 2022. Jari won that one seven six seven six. So we'll get into that match in a little while. But we do have... Uh, an outright on both guys. So we'll see what happens there. But Baez, we do have as well, and he takes on Dejir. So hopefully we win one of those, and hopefully... Uh, well, ba if Baez wins, then we're guaranteed to have two outrights going into the semis. So hopefully that ends up happening. But to go through our picks in Acapulco, we have one person left. We have Diminor, who ended up beating Taro Daniel in straight sets yesterday. He's against Rune. We'll talk about that matchup in a little while. But overall, we have outrights who are alive in every tournament, and it's all I can ask for. So hopefully we end up winning a couple more outrights, and hopefully we cash some more tickets. But either way, time to transition over into the actual match breakdowns for Friday. We're going to stick with the usual game plan, preview every match kind of briefly, and then get into the lock and dog picks. So starting off with the matches in Dubai, because chronologically that starts the soonest at around 8 a.m. Eastern time. First match, you have Zverev against Rublev, and uh, Rublev is, looking at the actual price here, he is the underdog slightly in this match. Uh, Rublev is plus 120 or so, and Zverev is minus 140, give or take. You can shop around, but mostly the same prices here. Rublev is pretty fortunate to actually be in this spot here because I talked about in the preview episode that I thought that Fakina could maybe give Rublev a run for his money, and Fakina had a brutal choke job in that, in that match against Rublev. To go through the actual results, Fakina was up 6-1, it was, it was a tie break in the second set. He was up 6-1, 6-6 with a 6-1 lead in the breaker. So he had five match points in the tie breaker, and he blew it. He completely blew the tie break, ended up losing the final seven points of the breaker, and then lost the third set in a tie breaker as well. Then Rublev ended up beating Zanschulp in the, uh, in the next round, but Zverev has looked good. Really nothing else to say. He won by the exact same scoreline each of the last two matches. After a three-set marathon there against Leshika, he was able to beat O'Connell, and he was able to beat Sonigo, 7-5-6-4. Now, he was fortunate that Felix lost to Sonigo, so he had an easier opponent on paper. But still, Zverev has looked good here, and he has had success 
Uh, at least he looks similar to the player that he used to be. I'm not going to say that he's the exact same guy, but I got to at least point out that Zverev has looked pretty sharp, and I do think that it makes sense he is the favorite in this matchup because of how inconsistent Rublev has been and because of the fact that uh, you're just looking at the fact that Rublev probably shouldn't even be here in the first place and Zverev's looked comfortable, I think is definitely a good sign. But I do think at the end of the day, the main reason why Zverev is the favorite is because of the head-to-head. And historically speaking, Zverev has owned Rublev. And to go through those actual numbers here, Zverev in his career against Rublev, is I can't even call it a rivalry because it's not even close. He's up 5 nothing on Rublev. And to go through those matches, they played four times on hard court. Zverev's only, uh, Zverev has not dropped the set. They played in Cincinnati in the final in 2021. Zverev won 6-2, 6-3. Played in the Australian Open in 2020. Uh, Zverev won 6-4, 6-4, Played in Shanghai 2019. Zverev won 6-0, 7-6. And played in Beijing in 2017. And Zverev ended up winning 6-2, 6-3. They also played on clay in 2016. Zverev won in straight sets. So in five matches, Rublev has never won a set off of Zverev. And... I can understand why when you think about it, because Rublev goes for a lot of power shots all the time, and Zverev tries to be consistent and steady, and he also has some power in in his own right. But the point is, with the unforced errors being an issue for Rublev's entire career, it doesn't surprise me that Zverev can go wall mode and force Rublev into a bunch of unforced errors. And Zverev is also tall and lengthy, so he can force Rublev to hit extra shots. It doesn't surprise me that Rublev has struggled against Zverev to this extent, Maybe not so much, but still, I'm not surprised Zverev has a winning record against Rublev. Now, do I think Zverev should be 140? I think it should probably be closer to around minus 120 or so, if I had to price it myself. Zverev has looked good, but once again, weaker competition uh, than than, uh, Rublev, just based on Rublev being better than Sonigo and better than Leshika and being better than O'Connell. So it is a step up in competition for Zverev. But based on the head-to-head I really can't go against Zverev in the spot. I think if I was going to play it, I probably would take Zverev minus one game. So you can get a push, but minus one game is minus 113. I think that's probably worth something. I think Zverev ends up winning this match. Might be competitive, maybe a tie break in there, but I think Zverev will be able to get the job done. And if you take the game spread, you could also win the bet if Zverev loses the match. There is a chance that Rublev punts the first set again, loses 6-1, and then rallies like he did against Fakina. And in that match, he won the match, but he lost the game spread by four because Fakina won 6-1 and lost the final two sets by one game. Sorry, he lost by three because that was five minus one minus one. So the point is, I think that Zverev minus one game is the look I'm going to have on this match. And I think that Zverev should get the job done. And moving into the best match available on tomorrow's card or on Friday's card, I should say, is Djokovic against Medvedev. Uh, the match between, in my opinion, the two best players here, and it's not even close, Medvedev, after a pretty underwhelming 2022 campaign, has been incredible so far this year in 2023. He's already won two titles. He won 21 straight points against Chorich, 10 the match yesterday. He is clicking and Djokovic, after a shaky first match, has looked really good. Now, the issue is, head-to-head-wise, Djokovic has really dominated Medvedev ever since they had the U.S. Open final matchup, where Medvedev ended up denying Djokovic the calendar Grand Slam. But to go through the actual matches that they've had, uh, Medvedev has not won since. Now, Djokovic has had a couple of marathon matches against Medvedev. But to go through the matches here, they played 
in the U.S. Open, like I said, in 2021, Medvedev won in straight sets. They played in the Masters final that same year. Djokovic won in three sets in the final, so he got a little bit of revenge, but not the same, but still. Played in 2022 in Kazakhstan, and that was the very weird match where Medvedev won the first set and then ended up losing the second set in a breaker. And then even with that happening, Medvedev retired after the second set breaker, which I thought was bizarre. But Djokovic won that match technically. And then they played again in the ATP finals. It was a match that Djokovic actually didn't even need to try in. It was a match that neither guy needed to try in because Medvedev was eliminated already. And Djokovic already clinched a spot in the next round. But they laid it on the line and it went three sets and Djokovic won in a tiebreak in the final set. And they played once again in Adelaide this year. And Djokovic smacked them 6-3, 6-4. So Djokovic has won four straight. It's 9-4 in the head-to-head tracker. But I do think based on how Medvedev has played, I think that he's definitely alive to make this match very interesting. And I do think if you want to go for a for a pretty sneaky play here, I don't mind the over two and a half sets. But I think my play is going to be the over in this match at 22 and a half. I can see a breaker in this one and then a 6-4, maybe even a couple of breakers, which we've seen. But both players have looked sharp. Djokovic did a good job against Herkaz yesterday. Still at a 7-5 set, though, in the second. But Medvedev and Djokovic, you might see a classic match where it's going to be a battle of ebbs and flows. Both players at moments, maybe you just see them alternate 6-3 sets to start the match, and you automatically go over at that point. But I do think that you're going you're to see a marathon here based on how good the players have looked. And Djokovic entering the tournament said that he was still below 100%. Now, I guesstimated that he was around 85 or 90%, but I think Medvedev, based on his current form, is definitely capable of potentially beating Djokovic. I'm not going to pick him to, because I do think Djokovic just has his number lately. But I I don't think Medvedev is going to go down quietly. I think he's going to come out swinging, and I think that he's going to end up making this match very interesting. So give me the over 22.5 games at minus 115 as my favorite play in that match. And I don't mind potentially the over 2.5 sets. But I do like the 22.5 games instead, because you can still win if it turns into a 7-6-6-4 match, and Djokovic has done pretty well against Medvedev in their careers in tie breaks. So just keep that in mind. But transitioning over to... uh, We're going to go to Santiago next. Uh, So starting off with the order of matches, you have the Lahovich match against Echeverry first. And to go through the head-to-head here, uh, this is the first match they've ever played against each other. And the spread is pretty... Even the spread is minus half a game for Lahovich, plus half a game for Echeverry. Money line is around minus 110 apiece, and the over-under is 23 games. So starting off with the overall performances from both players so far, Echeverry's been pretty good. Ended up beating uh, Sarundolo in three sets. They alternated six three sets the entire way. But Echeverry won first, and he ended up winning the final set 6-3. Also beat Fognini 6-1-7-6. Really wasn't that impressed by the second set from Echeverry. Fognini couldn't move, and I mentioned how I liked how he played in Rio de Janeiro. But then I talked about how he got injured against Alcaraz, and I I wanted nothing to do with him. Fognini couldn't really move, and Echeverry dominated the first set, winning 6-1. And then for whatever reason, Echeverry just made the match very interesting, uh, Fagnini ended up having a set point even in that second set. So I wasn't overly impressed by Echeverry in that match. I thought he was fine against Sarundolo, kind of the match you'd expect between two pretty volatile players. Echeverry's had a good year so far on clay, but he does hit a lot of unforced errors. And when you're against Sarundolo, 
It's a matter of who's going to hit less, and Echeverry hit less. But you're looking at Lahovich. He had a pretty long match against the other Sarandolo, the worst one, as that ended up going to a, three, a third set tiebreak. Neither guy could really hold serve in most of the match, so you saw a lot of breaks, but he ended up beating Ugo in the first round, 6-1, 6-3. And he also has done well in Rio de Janeiro before that, so Lahovich has looked sharp. Echeverry, though, I think can definitely give Lahovich a run for his money, which is why I think the spread in total and and money line are pretty on the nose here. I think I'm going to lean to Lahovich because I have seen a little bit more from him for a longer period of time. Echeverry had a decent run there in uh, Buenos Aires as he ended up making it into the uh, third his third match, he won the first two rounds, then lost to Nori after leading the, winning the first set, and then he ended up losing to Rio de, in Rio de Janeiro in the first round to Ramos Vinolas in three, and then he has this current run in Santiago. But Lahovich has two losses in his last two tournaments. They were both against Alcaraz, and he's beaten everybody else. He even beat Baez uh, in Buenos Aires. I know Baez was entering that tournament off of a title victory, so fatigue could have been an issue. But the point is, Lahovich has looked sharp. In fact, that Baez match and the Sarandol match yesterday were the only two matches that he dropped sets in. He's been very solid, and I think that Lahovich has a little bit more upside in terms of overall skill on clay. So I will lean to Lahovich in this spot, and I'm hoping that Lahovich can just get the job done in what should be a marathon. I like the over as well, but I trust Lahovich more than Echeverry from what I've seen over the past month or so. So I'll lean to Lahovich to get the job done. And I hope he does, because we also kind of lean to him to make a decent run in this event. But to go through the other uh, matches here, you have a uh, match between Baez and Dejir. So obviously, I'm going to pick Baez in this spot. I think we all know that I picked him to you know, win the tournament. So I'm obviously going to pick him to win this match, because I expected this exact match to happen. I was expecting Dejir to face off against Baez, and Baez is a minus 200 favorite. Not exactly surprised for the game spread. Baez is minus two and a half games, and for Baez winning straight sets, it is plus 130. As for the games, it is 22 and a half, minus 126 to the under. They have not played yet in their careers. Baez ended up beating uh, green in straight sets, and he also ended up uh, having a decent run there in Rio de Janeiro, lost to Jari, who was in phenomenal form that entire tournament. But he only played one match in Santiago because he had a bye. Meanwhile, Dejir played two matches, beats uh, Souza, who has one leg out the door for retirement, and he ended up beating Bonadio 7-5-7-5 yesterday. And that match was kind of interesting because uh, Bonadio is a relative unknown on the clay. He's not exactly a well-known ATP guy, ranked 182nd. Yet you did see a pretty interesting match where both guys had a bunch of break points, but neither guy break that much. Dejir ended up breaking twice, and he ended up uh, winning the match because he didn't get broken, but he did have to fight off five break points. So I do think Baez will do a better job of actually converting. Baez wasn't broken in his entire match against Garin, so he actually served pretty well and defended it pretty well. I'm going with Baez here. Uh, I'm not going to really overthink it. I gave him out to win the tournament with this expectation of being the quarterfinal matchup. So I will go with Baez to get the job done. I will take the minus two and a half games. I think Baez is the better player, and he looked very sharp against Green. I think Dejir, even though he's good on clay, he's also a bit of an unforced error magnet, and Baez, with the underwhelming quality of the clay, 
I thought Baez actually looked very comfortable dealing with the weird bounces and everything as opposed to other players. And I think that's going to bode well for him moving forward. But with the low bounces that this clay has generated, which definitely helps Baez because of the fact that he's extremely short in general based on height, I think that it's going to help out Baez. And I do think that the Jir, who's a little bit taller, is going to potentially struggle to bend over on some of these. And Baez was hitting a bunch of lines in that match against Kareen. But the Jira is 6-2. He kind of struggled a bit against a guy ranked in the 100s last match. And Souza's also about to retire. At least it looks like he's about to. So I'm not exactly insulted by who DeGere's beaten up to this point in this event. So I'll go with Baez to win this match rather comfortably. Now moving on to the uh, third match in Santiago, we have a look at a pretty fun match, or at least what should be. You have a matchup between Munar and Montero. Munar has been sharp so far in this event, as he was able to beat up on... Uh, sorry, just drawing a blank here. He was able to beat up on Musetti, 6-4, 6-4. Musetti looked awful. He was lobbing every backhand over, and Musetti is a guy that, when the, when the good is good, we saw it in Hamburg last year, but when, when he's off... He is really, really bad. But Munar has won four sets in this event, and he has not dropped any, so he has looked very sharp. Actually, no, I take it back. Sorry. He went to three sets against Tabillo, uh, ended up going to back-to-back tie breaks, actually, in the second and third sets. But luckily, he won the first set 6 nothing, so he was able to get it done. But he looked better against uh, Musetti, but Musetti really looked awful. So I'm not going to buy much into that performance. On the other end, Montero's been involved in some wars as he won three sets against Ramos Finolas, and he won three sets against Kecinato, and he ended up winning both of those, obviously. Now, for the head-to-head, they have faced off against each other four times. Munar is 3-1. and one. In fact, Munar has won each of the last three meetings. Montero won in 2020 on clay. They faced off in Barcelona. In 2021, Munar won that one in straight sets. They faced off in Italy in a challenger event, I believe, uh, last year. And that ended up going three sets, but Munar ended up winning. I believe he actually won the entire tournament, if I'm not mistaken. And then besides that, they faced off in Wimbledon. Munar won, but that's grass. I don't really care. So on clay, Munar has won the last two meetings. And based on what I've seen in the first couple of rounds... I like the over in this match. I see a pretty long match. I think you're going to see a serious battle here. The over-unders at 23 and a half games, which sucks, and the over is minus 105. So you can get two and a half sets over a plus 115. You could chop around for that. I think I would rather take the safe approach and take Montero to win a set at minus 125. Don't get me wrong. I think Munar could win this in straight sets, but I do think if I had to compare... Do I think it's worth sacrificing around 30 to 40 cents on the slight chance that Montero wins in straight sets? Straight sets? I think it is, because Munar has been okay in this event. He's looked better than he has in previous tournaments, but Musetti looked awful, and Munar just did what he needed to do to win. I think Montero's definitely capable of winning a set here, and the fact that the last clay match they had ended up being a really just a toss-up, as that match was... 7-6 Montero, 7-5 Munar, 7-6 Munar. That match was a war. So give me Montero to win a set there at minus 125, and I do think you'll end up seeing this go over the total if I had to guess. Probably over the sets too, but I don't see much value at plus 115. Uh, if I had to pick the side here, I'll lean to Montero because he's beaten better competition, and plus 110 I think is a pretty good price. But 
I'm kind of going to stay away from the money line. I'd rather just take him to win a set at minus 125. And looking at the last match, the late night match, the only home country guy left, you have Jari fresh off of his really underwhelming victory against Schwartzman, which he got done in the third set tiebreak, but he ended up winning. Hoffman, those looked comfortable as he was able to beat up on Baina, came back from 6-3 down in the first set tiebreak to win that tiebreak. But you're looking at the actual schedule here, and Hoffman has not dropped a set, as I said before. He's won every set in the tournament, including the qualifying, uh, but he beat Pedro Martinez 6-2-6-0, ended up beating uh, Baina 7-6-6-2. Jari ended up having a couple of tough matches, beat Varia 7-6-6-4, and beat Schwartzman in three sets. Now, I understand why Jari's favored, because he's the hometown guy, He's 1-0 in the head-to-head, and he just had the great run in Rio de Janeiro. However, Jari really concerns me with his unforced error count. And I think that Hoffman, based on how comfortable he's looked on the clay, this particular clay, I think he's looked more comfortable than Jari has. Jari really has not looked great in this event. And I do think that the low bounces are giving him problems because of how tall he is. Jari's around 6'5", and I think that could give him some problems with the unforced errors. Bunch of shots into the net, bunch of shots that were long. But Hoffman's a pretty good server, and Schwartzman was serving horribly. I think he had five double faults in that match. But Jari's 6'6", and you're looking at Hoffman's height. He is 6'4". So I think he can actually handle the lower bounces better than Jari. I think Hoffman's alive to win this match. Uh, it might be an overreaction from what I saw with the Schwartzman match, but I really saw some red flags with Jari. The tennis IQ wasn't there. He was forcing shots. And Hoffman has looked very sharp. So I'm going to go with Hoffman here. I'm going to go with a bit of an upset here. Uh, I'm going to go with Hoffman at plus 145. I think this match should be a lot closer than the odds suggest. I think Jari should be closer to minus 115, minus 120. And they did play, as I said before, once on clay before, back in 2022, it was 7-6, 7-6. It was a very close match in Gestad, and you're looking at how that match unfolded. Uh, both players had a bunch of aces. Jari had 10, and Hoffman had 9. Uh, the first serve points were dead even at 82%, and Hoffman actually won more second serve points. He won 70% of his second serve points, and Hoffman lost the match. He did not face a single break point in the entire match. Now, the clay in Gestad is definitely different from the clay here, but the point is that match was really a toss-up that Jari won, so I'm not going to fully overreact to it. Gimme Hoffman. I, th- I like what I've seen. I think he's going to continue to be our Cinderella here, and I'm going to take him to win the match. So that's going to be my recap for the matches in Santiago. Now it's time to move on to the matches here in uh, Acapulco. And for the odds in Acapulco, starting off with the, uh, sorry, just pulling up the odds really quickly. Uh, So starting off with our main match here, uh, the one that concerns us the most, give a matchup between Rune and Diminor. We have Diminor to win the tournament. Unfortunately, Fritz beat Tiafo yesterday, so we only have one outright left. Now, Rune is minus 166. Uh, Diminor is round plus 140, plus 150 or so. Uh, Going through the actual head-to-head between these players, I can't say that I'm fully surprised uh, that Rune is the favorite based on how good he looked so far in this event. And Rune is 2-0 in the head-to-heads. They played twice in 2022. Played in Stockholm, Rune won in three and played in Basel. And Rune won in straight sets. 
I'm going to go with Rune. I'm not really going to overthink this. Rune has looked like the best player in this event so far. And you're looking at Shelton, who is a pretty solid up-and-coming American. Rune beat him in three. He beat Borges 6-0, 6-2. And then he destroyed Berrettini. I know Berrettini had a calf injury or a quote-unquote calf injury. Maybe he just wanted to avoid the double bagel and he left early. But Rune won 7-0 against Berrettini. Berrettini didn't win a game. And Diminor has looked good. He's looked really good. But you're looking at who he's played against. He really hasn't beaten great competition, which is why I picked him to win the tournament. I saw his draw being very easy. He beat Pacheco, who's a Mexican player who they threw in there for, to be the local talent, but he's not any good. He beat Berrettini's brother, 6-1-6-0, who only advanced because Atta got hurt. And then he beat Taro Daniel because Daniel ended up beating Rude, and Rude was really a shell of what he's looked like on hardcore in previous months because... He almost lost to an Argentinian qualifier in the first race. He was awful in this event, and uh, and you ended up seeing, uh, yeah, you ended up seeing Taro Daniel in the uh, later stages in this event, which was kind of shocking. But Diminor took up the trash and ended up beating him. No offense to Taro Daniel; it's a bit harsh. I think he's a fine player, but he's not like amazing by any means. That was Taro Daniel's first ever top ten win in his career. So Daniel's good. He's not great. And I do think that Diminor was fortunate to face off against him instead of uh, Rude, but Rude wasn't in great form anyway. And I think that Rune, based on how sharp he's looked and the fact that he played basically a set in one game against Berrettini, I think bodes well for him here. I'm going to go with Rune to get the job done. I think it might be a close match. But I think that Rune is going to do a better job defending his serve than Diminor is. Diminor is still not a great server. I think Rune is going to put together some good returns, and I think he'll be able to win this match. I think that there's value on the minus two and a half games at minus 106. I think that he wins this match in a competitive two-set match. But give me some type of 6-4, 6-4. That's kind of the score line that I have in my head. So moving on. To the final match that we're going to talk about, you have a match between two Americans. You have Tommy Paul taking on Taylor Fritz. And for this match, you have Fritz as the favorite here, which is not surprising because Fritz is the number five player in the world right now. And you're looking at the actual uh, money line. Fritz is minus 194. Tommy Paul is plus 160. And to go through the head-to-head, -head, this is expected to be a very close battle because Paul and Fritz have very, very close head-to-head -head numbers. And both players have definitely improved over the last year. But to go through the numbers for Fritz and for Paul, you have them tied 3-3. Now, they have faced off in qualifying and challenger events back in 2017 and 2015. I'll toss those out. They faced off three times since 2021, and Fritz has won two of those three. All three matches were on hard court. They faced off in St. Petersburg in 2021. Fritz won 7-6-6-4. Faced off in Stockholm in Sweden. Tommy Paul won that one 6-4-6-4. And they faced off in Miami in 2022. And Fritz won that one 7-6-6-4. So first glance on this match, I think it's going to be close. I think you could see a tiebreaker two. I think you could see three sets. The total games, though, is 22 and a half. That's where I'm going. I'm going to take the over. I think that based on how both players have looked, you should see a bit of a marathon match here, and I do think that Fritz will win. The thing is, do I think there's value on much else? Not really. Uh, looking at what else you can take, you can look at the game spread of two and a half for Fritz. 
but I'm not into it because Fritz can win a breaker and then you have to worry about him breaking and maybe it goes three sets, but I'm not going to bother there. I do like the over and I think Fritz wins. If you want to go for a bolder play, you could take the both players to win a set, which is at around plus 120 or so. I'm not sure if I like the actual value on that, but just keep that in mind. Either way, the point is, I think Fritz wins, but I do think it's a close match. So give me the over 22 and a half games. And I do think that if you can find a way to have a same game parlay on that with Fritz to win the match, I think that's definitely worth a look. So give me the over in that match. But that's going to wrap it up for my actual picks on the Friday matches. Now it's time to have a quick word from our sponsors. We're brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's build-your-own-bet. March Madness is almost here, and there are plenty of ways to win and bet on uh, NBA, NHL, and XFL action. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 again next for $100, limited to state availability. And, of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit bonus. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbet. Send it we send you to sportscampodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough limit is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Uh, the merch store continues to add new items to the store every day. Head over to store.sportscampodcast.com to get your favorite shirts, hats, sweats, and hoodies. My favorite item is still the coffee cup, the over two and a half cups of coffee, which I think is really, really funny. And most importantly, it's a solid mug. I mean, any time that you can have a nice coffee mug to add to your collection, that also kind of makes you laugh every time you look at it. I think that's definitely a bonus, and it's a keeper item, and that's why I recommend it. Plus, just in time for March, you get 10% off when you spend more than $40 if you use the code MADNESS. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is your home for offseason NFL best ball drafts, plus... They also have you covered in a ton of other daily games, including NBA, NHL, and PGA Golf. Underdog Fantasy is a great way to get down on your favorite player props if they're not available in your state. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the matches for Friday and all three ATP events. Now time to get into the actual lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to Santiago once again, and I am going to take the guy that we actually picked to win the whole event. I'm going to take Baez to win, but I'm going to go with him on the game spread here. I'm going to take Baez minus two and a half games against Dejir at minus 125. Simply put, I just think Baez is the much better player, and I do think that even though Dejir has looked pretty good, so far in this event, he has faced very, very weak competition as he ended up beating up on Souza, who's really, really past his prime, and beat up on a relative unknown youngster in Bonadio. And that match was a struggle, too. That ended up being 7-5-7-5. So Baez, who ended up overcoming the home crowd disadvantage, taking on Green. I roasted Green uh, going into the event because I know that he's not in great form. But still, the point is, I have to at least acknowledge how comfortable Baez looked 
in what has been pretty underwhelming quality clay. And I do think that since Baez has looked this comfortable on pretty underwhelming court conditions, I think it's really a good sign for moving forward. And the fact that he wasn't even broken one time, I think he phased one break point in the entire match, if I'm not mistaken. Baez looked right at home, and we know that he already won an ATP event this year, so I know he's capable of making deep runs. But I do think at the end of the day, you're going to end up seeing uh, Dejir have moments, but I do think that he's going to struggle with the unforced error count. Baez is very good at court coverage. He's got variety. The backhand down the line for him was incredible. Uh, 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 back in down the line was great for him against Green. I think that's definitely a go-to shot for him to stay with. And I like how Baez can get depth on a lot of his shots. And I do think that even though most shorter players like Schwartzman try to keep it in play and they try to play it safe, Baez is not afraid to put some power on shots. And I do think that he could get into a bit of a hitting contest here with Dejir if he needs to. But Baez is the better mover. I think that he has looked sharper in this event. And I do think that with the unimpressive clay conditions in this event, it definitely is a good sign about how comfortable Bias has looked. So give me Bias minus two and a half games at minus 125 as my lock. And for my dog, I have a lot of options here because I mentioned a lot of underdogs that I'm tempted by. I thought about maybe going with the over two and a half sets in the, in the Djokovic match, but I don't think I'm going to do it. Uh, I, I think if I had to pick one, do I want to go with Hoffman? Like, do I have the guts to actually take Hoffman as my dog? It's a bit tricky. Like, I, I'm not going to pick anything in the Acapulco tournament because I think that Fritz and Rune are going to win. So I don't exactly have much value there. Uh, do I really like anything else? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with. Yeah, you know what? Let's live a little. Give me Hoffman money line at plus 145. I think that he's definitely capable of beating Jari. I talked about how Jari won the first meeting, but Hoffman did not face a single breakpoint in the entire match. I think Hoffman has the firepower to kind of hang with Jari. Jari's got more firepower, but Hoffman hits less unforced errors, and I do think that you'll end up seeing Jari once again struggle. Even though it's his home country, he really did not look good or comfortable in Santiago, which I thought was extremely concerning. So for me, I am going to go with Humphman as my underdog here at plus 145. So once again, my picks for the episode are going to be on Baez minus two and a half games against Tajir at minus 125 and Humphman to win against Jari at plus 145. Now that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gaming Podcast. We're back once again tomorrow to go through the two finals in Dubai and Acapulco, and we'll also go through the semis in Santiago. You can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio, and you can also find me on the NBA show and on a bunch of other podcasts, the NFL Gambling Podcast, sometimes the PropCast, the WNBA Podcast, which is starting up again in a couple of months. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.